Welcome to the latest edition of the Off the Bench podcast presented by the Alibaba Group. I'm Chris Miller of NBC Sports Washington. Today we talk to one of my good friends, WNBA star Natasha Cloud, as we get set for the WNBA season embarking on their 25th anniversary. We talked to Tasha about this upcoming Mystic season, and with some of the additions that they've added, they might be on their way to another WNBA championship. We also talk about her social activism and how she uses her voice to uplift others. Just a reminder, make sure you download and subscribe and leave a comment as we talk to Natasha Cloud, WNBA star for the Washington Mystics, on this latest edition of the Off the Bench Podcast. Wizards fans, we're partnering with Clear to make your game day a great day. With the free Clear app, not only can you use Health Pass to easily show proof of vaccination, but you can also use the app to enter the arena faster through the Clear lanes. Get started today by downloading the free Clear app, tapping the black Sports and Events button on the home screen, and selecting Washington Wizards. Then head to the Clear lanes located at the 7th and G Street entrance across from Clyde's. When you arrive, you'll take a quick picture at the clear pod to confirm that you are you and walk right in. No crowds, no hassle. Download the free clear app today to get started. So Natasha, I want to start since it's March. It's March Madness. I know you've had your own experiences in the big dance playing at St. Joe's. So tell me about your experiences in March playing that one shining moment, as they call it. Oh, it was, uh, it's insane. It's everything that you dream about. Uh, you know, you fight and you claw your way, especially as a mid-major school and a mid-major kid. You have to work twice as hard to even get to that moment um, because you, the politics are going to play into it no matter how hard your schedule is. Um, so you really have to end up winning your tournament champion, like your championship. And so, um, you know, I got in one time by winning the championship and then we got in one time just by the strength of our RPI on our schedule. And um, I think that one meant most um, because it means that we handled our, our top five, top ten teams um, that we had on our schedules. But um, you get to that moment. First year, uh, we lost to Vandy, went down to the wire, and that one hurt because that's a game that we should have won. Um, both times got put in UConn's bracket, which is – Funny how that works, right? Uh, y'all set mid-majors up for failure. I'm going to say that. <laughs> Because if you hand us next year, we play Georgia, we whoop, like, I mean, spanked Georgia, like, the whole entire game. We get UConn the next game, and we're a really good team, but not UConn good. They got Steph Dolson, Stewie, Bria Hartley, Kia Stokes. Oh, so all the people you see at this level. At this level. (laughs) We lose by 41. Mm -hmm. I blinked, and we were down 41. Uh, but just that, that game before that, um, and even the Vandy game the year before, I, I felt like we proved ourselves. And, you know, I, I think mid-majors don't get the respect that they deserve. And if you match them up against teams like Vandy or Georgia or whatever, they're going to be able to compete. And you put them against a, a super beast in UConn like that, of course that's going to be the outcome. Do you have a kind of a moment? Was it the practice before the game, the media uh, things that you had to take care of in the locker room, any kind of story that where you go, even after this time I've been away from college basketball, it's still one of those fond memories. Uh, I think there's this video. Um, there's this video of me and my college teammate, CC Andrews. We actually just finished playing Athletes Unlimited together um, the last few weeks. But uh, our coach has given us like our pregame pep talk and the cameras on us, like ESPN, everything. And 
the point of it was like she gave us pencils. Um, the the point it was really sharp. It was supposed to be like be sharp for the game, be on point, be efficient. And then the eraser, when we make mistakes, erase it. But the whole time, me and Cece are just kind of playing with each other. Like, I'm sticking it in her ear. She's, like, <laughs> trying to break the point. And we are not paying attention at all. Would I tell you how many fans tagged us in that video? Um, and someone just tagged us again maybe two weeks ago, and it brought back all those those feelings and that surreal moment of being there. And being there with someone that, you know, that's my lifelong friend is someone that I made in college. Do you watch still at this point? Do you Absolutely. watch the women's tournament, men's tournament? Absolutely. Absolutely. March is my favorite. March is my favorite. I have not filled my bracket out. Okay. So I'm going to be a late bloomer to it. Um, but I feel like I really do just enjoy the games. And I'm, a, I'm an underdog, so I'm going to pick all underdogs. That's how my brackets always are. I think the number one seeds, at least on the men's side, all four one seeds have only gotten there like one time. So, right. yeah, it's, it's always those – Who's going to be the, the one The teams you sleep on. Exactly. It's the teams you sleep on that you don't think that are going to come out and punch you in the mouth. And then you're like, wait, wait a minute. Mm -hmm. I asked some of the guys with the Wizards about when they watch March Madness, do you watch for your alma mater? Do you watch just as a fan? Or are you scouting these rookies that are about to come into the league? So I ask you, are you out here this year scouting because it was because of the luck of Natasha Cloud. Okay. <laughs> that the Coach Mystics T. got the number one pick. Coach T. <laughs> However you want to repay me for it, I got you, my guy. <laughs> um, but, no, that's definitely um, – an additive to it it makes it so much more fun to watch so yeah you watch for your alma mater um obviously st joe's isn't in there i still love y'all it's okay but then you watch just as a fan um but then that additive of having the number one draft pick you want to be watching the players that are you know top three and, and see which way we're going to go but um the proof is in the pudding coach t and, and our staff has done a phenomenal job over the last in my opinion like seven years since I've been in here. You mm -hmm. know, they found a sleeper in me. They found a sleeper in Ariel Atkins. They just always find Maisha Hines-Allen. They always find the right pieces to add to our team. So, um, you know, it's, it's fun to watch them, but, you know, we know that they're holding it down for us in our front office. Okay, so are you willing to break some news here on the Off the Bitch podcast? Who y'all taking? I have no idea. <laughs> Coach T, who we taking? <laughs> who we taking? <laughs> Who are we taking? But it's good um, when you have the number one pick. You have the options of literally the entire draft. The entire draft. And so, like I said, they do a phenomenal job of making sure that, like, our chemistry is the most important thing. Gotcha. And I think that's very rare for a coaching staff to worry about chemistry first before talent. Um, but I think all the kids that are in the kind of top three, top five, even top ten, um, are, can all come in and add to our team. So I'll be interested to see um, when it comes down to it. So you were flossing. During the lottery, I must admit, I saw you. I was I mean, getting it. You that were really, you were really like I hit that on gritty. one. You I hit it. Yeah, you hit it really good too. I hit by it. the way, okay. Period. I, I think Jamar Chase and, and Mr. Jefferson, they got some company. Okay. So what was Period. that like? Did you, you? I think did you say before the lottery you were gonna? Absolutely. You were there for the number one pick. Oh, absolutely. Atlanta, Dallas, Indiana, they were all talking. They were saying they are getting the number one pick, and I was just kind of sitting there quietly. And we finally got to the podiums, and they were all looking like, Tosh, you ain't saying much yet. And I was like, because I know. I know. You just knew. I know. Any luck? Did win. you bring anything? Any I did. Good luck charms? But my grandfather's watch, I wear it. You know, majority of the oh, most important nice. important parts of my career and my life, I wear it, and so I brought that as my good luck charm that day. So I knew that my pop up was going to hold us down. So this would be, I think, the second time that you guys have selected first overall. Shamiqua Holesclaw, first overall back in '99. Oh gee. 
Um, it's significant because I think this piece can plug and play. Would you mm -hmm. agree with that? But is 100%. there, without getting into who, let's get into what, like what position do you think you guys need for a number one draft pick to kind of come in right away and put her stamp on, on the team? Uh, I think we need a big guard um, that can go 3-4. Okay. Um, you know, I think we're kind of solidified in the one and two positions. Um, and I think that 3-4 of, of having a, a backup to AC is what we really need. We have Della. We brought Tiana Hawkins back, who was an absolute monster during Athletes Unlimited this year, <laughs> won the whole thing. I came in second. It's okay, TT. I love you, girl. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think that we have Maisha Hines on that sign back. We have Erica McCall. Um, I think that that three-four position is the is the most important for us right now. I just think you guys never really had a chance to really enjoy the championship. We didn't. We still didn't get our parade. I'm gonna keep saying it. I'm going to keep saying that. We can't do a virtual parade. We need like a we real need, I want to be drunk with my fans in D.C., <laughs> period. Okay? I want to chug from the trophy, yeah. period. You so, just have to do it again. I mean, you just guys have to literally run it listen, back this season. I think we still need to celebrate our 2019 championship. I'm just going to say that. I'm going to put it out there. <laughs> Hope everyone And I'm going to put the pressure on. <laughs> so – because you guys really didn't get a chance to run it back the way you wanted to. Obviously, Deladon's been out the last mm -hmm. couple of years, but she looks to be back. Mm -hmm. What does this 2022 version of the Mystics look like on paper for you? Scary. We're scary. I think we're all confident. You know, other teams can make whatever moves in the offseason that they want, but our core has remained from our 2019 championship team. Bringing Tiana is huge, bringing in AC, who was a vet, who was the unsung hero of Seattle that didn't get the respect that she deserved, That, in, in my opinion, um, of how much she actually brought to that team. She's going to bring that to us. She's a lockdown defender. She is uh, a phenomenal shooter. She always killed us during our games. Bringing Maisha back, signing her back long term. She's flourishing in her career. Ariel Atkins continues to grow um, and show you how talented a player she is. I continue to grow. Um, Della's getting healthy. Whoever we bring in as this number one pick, uh, Shatori Walker Kimbrough, um, we're all just getting better. And so when you have a team that's played together and has that chemistry, doesn't matter what other teams are doing or piecing in, um, you know, we have experience together. We've won a championship together. And so when you ask me what we look like on paper, we're scary. I'm looking at just kind of this roster here. Elizabeth Williams also, fourth consecutive. Yes, bring in Elizabeth Williams in. How about this? So she's now the fourth current Mystics player to be named to the WNBA's all-defensive team. Mm -hmm. uh, you, you were on that. Y'all keep that. leaving me off, but I'm going to yeah. tell you from day one at training camp, I'm going to advocate yeah. for myself, <laughs> period. So is this a defensive-minded 2022 team, or is this – how would you describe kind of like what the DNA of this team should look like? I think the DNA is going to be defensive-minded, but I think when we won in 2019, we played both ends of the floor mm -hmm. too. And people were so focused on how spectacular our offense was because it truly was. We broke, like, every WNBA record possible in that year. Our, but our defense allowed us to be that right. offensive team. And so when you're adding in more pieces, Elizabeth Williams, thank you for bringing her up, is a huge addition to our team and protecting our paint, protecting the basket. Um, it, it's just we are going to be a defensive-minded team. But I've always been a player that has, be de has defense wins championships. 
Your yeah. offense goes as your defense goes. If you're trading baskets, you're not going to win many games. If you're locking down on the defensive end, your offense is just going to be better. Tell me about this being the 25th anniversary, really, of the WNBA and its inception and, and this franchise and what a what a championship would mean in, in a year like that. It would mean everything. Uh, I think it's important to celebrate how far you've come. Mm -hmm. um, and I know that we're still advocating and we're fighting for e equity and equality within, you know, our whole country, but especially in women's sports, too. We're, we're still trying to advocate for ourselves. We're still trying to get the investment and the respect that we, re we deserve. But um, I think it is important to acknowledge how far we have come. And, you know, it, people always want to do comparisons, so I'll compare it. The NBA wasn't this far when they were in their 25th year. We're in their 25th season, so um, it's important. Um, but to win a championship during that type uh, of year is is that much just more monumental um, because yeah. it does have such a, a importance to it. I want to talk about last year for you specifically because the year before that you made a very difficult decision, mm -hmm. but an important one, as you've told me in the past, of, of not playing. How do you feel last year was for you in terms of getting back on the court and competing with your teammates? Who last year, I, I think I said it, and I was very honest about it. Last year was a really hard year for me as the point guard and the leader of this team. Um, not having my Batman, not having Dello on the court, um, not having AC on the court. Um, really, a lot of that leadership role fell on, on me. And when you're having injuries and the adversity bug is just biting you and you're having roster changes every couple weeks and new faces, new teammates, it, uh, it, it definitely challenged me in a lot of different ways. Um, but I think why I was so great in Athletes Unlimited this last month was because of that challenge. Mm -hmm. It challenged me to be better. It challenged me to grow. Um, and I knew coming into the year I was going to have to get a little bit of rust off because I took a year off from playing competitively. Um, and I feel like that's what I was kind of doing in the first half of the season. But I felt like by the time we came back from Olympic break that mm -hmm. I was kind of back into my prime. And I felt like I finished the year really strong. I tried to get us in the playoffs. We tried to get ourselves in the playoffs. And we really still did have an opportunity at the end of the season it just kind of didn't fall into play and again adversity hits we don't have coach T for the last two important games of our season but I think we're all focused on when we left last year to be one percent better um, to come back and be ready for a redemption year because we knew that last year wasn't the best that we could give and we understood that we kind of weathered the storm and we got through it as best we could um, but this year for sure we're all doing our part to make sure that we're the best that we can be individually for us collectively. What is the best version of you as a basketball player and what have you learned kind of as you're navigating through season number what is this for you now? This is season number eight but season number seven because I sat out. So season number <laughs> seven. What have you learned most about kind of your experiences as a player, leadership you talked about, and how do you bring it all together this year collectively and for you individually? Yeah, I think uh, the beautiful thing is I fell in love with the process. And I fell in love with being an underdog and having to work um, to have respect on my name. And I think in that love and passion, I, I continue to challenge myself to grow. And so every year, I just try to be better. Um, what can I do for my team? How can I be better as a leader? I'm never going to be perfect. I make that blatantly clear. Um, but something that I've learned over the years, especially as a point guard and one of the vocal leaders of our team, is just you have to be able to make deposits into your teammates and into the people around you um, before you can ever withdraw from them and, and that's something that our uh, player development coach Safu 
uh, he gave me my rookie season, and it really did like change my mindset and how I approached my teammates, how I approached our relationships, our friendships. Um, because I can't demand something of you if I haven't deposited anything into you. And that's not only on the court, that's off the court. So um, for me, it's taking my teammates at the dinner. It's, it's just hanging out off the court. It's making those deposits so that when it comes time to it, in the heat of the moment, in a championship series game, I can go up to Ariel Atkins, I can grab her by her jersey and be like, I need you to do this. Mm -hmm. And she's going to accept it because I made those deposits into her early. Um, so that's one of the most important things. But uh, for me, just as a player, um, just continuing to grow. Um, and uh, my trainer, James Clark, back home in Philly, he's been phenomenal for me. He's really made like a huge jump in my career. I'm feeling like the most confident I've ever felt offensively. Uh, my defense is always going to be there. Defense is about pride and your IQ and knowing your scout. But offensively, I, I think I've needed to be more consistent. And I think he's added that to my game. So tell me about Athletes Unlimited this past offseason, what was kind of the genesis of you being a part of that and just ex explain the experience? Oh, it's amazing. Um, I'm truly, truly blessed to be a part of it. Uh, I was their first call. Um, obviously, with my wife Alicia playing in Athletes Unlimited softball, um, I had the connections with the owners. And so when it came around to them wanting to bring basketball, I was their first call. Um, so from there, it was just about recruiting players that I knew stayed home in the offseason that I knew for whatever reasons, whether it was not wanting to be away from their family, their bodies couldn't, you know, withstand playing year round under terrible conditions overseas or what it may be, the COVID situation. I knew that they were going to stay um, recruited a PEC, a player executive committee out of there. And then we really it's a player run league. There's no owners. There's no GMs. Us as players have every say in everything that we do from the way that the game is score to the point system to the players that were added in to the referees to living where we're living what kind of food we get like everything was player led and it's a beautiful beautiful thing when you talk about wanting to progress your sport mm -hmm. and wanting to leave it better than what you found it I truly truly believe we had a phenomenal year it was life-changing for me not only on the court but off the court um, and I think in three to five years from now players won't go overseas we're going to figure out this thing of how to keep players home um, so that they don't have to go overseas for eight months and be away from their families and, and not be with their loved ones, putting their body through crazy. I mean, like, if I told you some of the stories from overseas, it's a nightmare. Um, and every player has a story, has multiple stories. And so when you're talking about protecting players, when you're talking about, you know, expanding women's sports here in the States and keeping us home, uh, it's a true blessing to be a part of Athletes Unlimited. That was my f natural follow-up is, Natasha, do you ever see, and how long do you think it would take before WNBA players don't have to go overseas to I go get paid? I really think three to five years. Like, I'm, okay. I'm telling you, we – had a phenomenal year this year and midway through the season, not even midway, people just needed to watch one game to fall in love with it. And players from overseas are already hitting me up, hitting all of our player executive committee up about coming to play in the league next year. So we're going to have to expand that that number of 44 players. It's going to have to go up because okay. there's going to be too many players wanting to come home and play in it. So um, I'm going to tell you three to five years before I think players really start staying home. Um, it's only six weeks of play. It's not crazy on your body you get to go in right before w season you get to play competitively at an elite level to prepare for the w season and i hope the w continues to support it and supports it more than mm -hmm. what they did 
um, because it's it's not a competition. It's a protection of their investment in the offseason. And so to keep players here, uh, to give them adequate care and treatment of their bodies, uh, to be treated like professionals, to be home with their families, to be in one central location and not have to travel, it's amazing. It's I was going to ask it's you about truly amazing. the business of basketball doing playing in that league and talking about really there's no owners, there's really no GMs, it's kind of player ran. Mm-hmm. Did you notice the business of basketball part of it? You knew it before, but yeah. was there a part of you that was like, I see where we can make X, Y, or Z better Absolutely. for our league? Absolutely. I think AU put a lot of pressure on the W to be better, mm-hmm. um, whether it was our marketing schemes, uh, whether it was uh, – the amount of games that we had on TV on on major channels, whether it was the aerial views of how they actually showed the game, um, the in-game commentary, they would have reporters on the sideline, uh, we would have chairs set up so you get to communicate and kind of hear from players throughout the game. Um, so from that side of things, I think AU set a standard okay. um, that needs to be met um, from the other business side of things of having to be in control, having to make hard decisions. Definitely did open your eyes. Also being a captain, I was a captain for four weeks. So I'm drawing up uh, practice plans. I'm drawing up plays. I'm drawing up game schemes. I'm scouting. I'm having to do all that by myself and relate to a, a team. And uh, I remember texting Coach Eric and Coach T like, the, after I the appreciate what you guys have been doing. No, seriously. I was like, I haven't told y'all. I love y'all. I appreciate y'all. I don't know how you deal with us because I'm ready to drink. Like, yeah, right. <laughs> like this is stressful. Um, but it, de- it definitely opened your eyes. It, it, it again, challenged me. And I'm going to be better for the mystics because of it. I got to get you out of here because uh, you're busy. But I do want to ask you about what's next for you. You're you're on the journey for a championship, but at some uh, at some time you've got to think about you know no more dribbling. Yeah, it sounds like to me there might be like either coaching or upper management and potentially uh, yeah. maybe ownership down the road. Okay, What's, how, what what do you see yourself if, if you and I are talking ten years from now? What are you doing? I really want to have my foot in everything, and I think that's really like possible for me. Um, I think when I came out of college, I went to school for sports broadcasting communications. And no, I you did. can't tell. <laughs> I did, but I learned really early after following Kara Lawson around um, and shadowing her that I just wanted to have more of an impact on the game um, than, than that. I felt like I was really far removed from actually having the impact that I wanted to have. So coaching was next, um, and I think I don't know if I'll end up coaching, but I want to be in some sort of – whether it is the front office management, something um, that has an impact on the game, um, but also my advocacy. Yeah. Uh, I really, I tweeted out that I was going to run for the mayor of Philadelphia, but I, I really do see myself either running for mayor or for the governor of Pennsylvania. It's something I would love to do. I think we're doing a terrible job. I think politics is too messy, and I think they need real people in there that actually care about the community and not themselves, not lining their own pockets, not lining their own, you know, things that they need or that they want. And so um, when you're talking about the city of Philadelphia, even the city of D.C., Philadelphia surpassed Chicago as the number one, it's the number one most violent city in our country, and nothing is being done by government officials. And that's an issue. That's an issue for me because it hits so close to home. So I want to have impact in our community that that's going to change and that's going to progress our people, people that look like me. Um, and I want people to see that you can look like me, you can be like me, you can, you know, kind of follow along and you can do whatever you want. 
even with all the roadblocks set yeah. up and in, in, in place to see us fail. I told you before, I'll say it again. Not only do I learn something every time I talk to you, I'm just proud of you. Just I keep you. keep doing that because leadership is hard, right? It's it uncomfortable is. sometimes, it but I appreciate everything that you've learned Thank you. and how you're applying it into your everyday with your team and even old people like me. I appreciate no. it. No, you're with it. And I that that appreciation is mutual because if someone has advocated for us while I've been here in D.C., it has always been you. So I appreciate you. We appreciate you. Just get a brother a ticket. I'm trying to get a little closer. Listen, oh. you want courtside? Okay, who I got to call? <laughs> appreciate you, Natasha. I appreciate you as well.